0: Sooner or later, when you least expect it, there comes a point of no return, a dead end from which there seems no escape, a moment in time, a moment of crisis.
1: My name is Robert Sage. That name will do anyway. In my profession, you work under any name that serves the purpose. Anyway, this story isn't about me. It's about Simone. She was a hostess in an American exhibit in a Parisian trade fair in the summer of 1965. My assignment from the CIA was to check her out as a possible contact. From Paris, she was heading for a job teaching English in the Lanzvaya State College in Moscow. And she let it be known she'd be willing to work for U.S. intelligence once she got there. The first time I saw her, she was greeting visitors at an American engineering display. She was beautiful. Tall, long dark hair, wide-set blue eyes, and a generous mouth that liked to smile. When we were alone later at a dark table in a bistro, I got down to cases.
2: That's a strange question. I
1: have to ask it
2: do you question my motives?
1: Because Uncle Sam doesn't sign up everyone who calls and says, I want to be a spy. Officially, we don't have any spies.
2: What do I do to prove how I feel? Just tell me. Well, to begin with, I hate the Russians. What? For what they did in World War II.
1: You weren't even alive in World War II.
2: But I know people who were. The soldiers were pigs,
1: animals. Mm-hmm. Then why, why are you going to Russia and be a schoolteacher?
2: I'm young, I'm single. It's an opportunity. And it's only for a year.
1: And in this year's time, you expect to be able to snoop around the Kremlin and dig up some secrets to sell us? Is uh, that the idea?
2: You're making fun of me.
1: No, I'm not. I'm trying to make you prove something to yourself. What? That you'd make a pretty lousy spy. But a pretty lousy spy.
2: All right. You can afford to make jokes.
1: Besides, Simone, we don't have any spies, remember?
2: Oh, forget it. Just forget it. I don't ever want to see you again. Or any other American. I hate Americans.
1: And that was that. Until nine years later in Washington, D.C. Simone came back. Still tall. Still beautiful. But the wide blue eyes that had snapped at me in the Paris Bistro were different. Now they were filled with terror. And no wonder... This is her story.
0: In just a minute, Crisis presents a tale of suspense and intrigue set in the shadow world of secret agents and espionage. It's called... Game of Chance, in which the pawns are two people separated by the barriers of distance and ideology. The players, two dedicated intelligence agents on opposite sides of the Iron Curtain. Act One of Game of Chance, in just a moment.
2: I begin
1: from the last time we met
2: oh yes Paris 1965 you shuddered. I wish it had never happened any of it except for Greta
1: Greta who's Greta
2: she's my daughter before the trade fair closed in Paris I met an American an engineer Ted Lundberg we fell in love I didn't want to go to Moscow then but I had to so we were married suddenly the day before I had to leave.
1: And you stayed in Moscow the full year?
2: Yes. Teaching at Lunds via dying of loneliness.
1: Where was Lundberg?
2: Here in Washington, D.C. He was flying to Russia from Switzerland to be with me when the baby was born... when his airplane crashed.
1: I'm sorry, Simone.
2: So you see, all I had was Greta. And then the authorities found out I had married an American... And that suddenly changed my status. They made me leave the country. But they kept Greta.
1: They kept her?
2: She was anemic, they said. They said she couldn't travel. So they kept her in the hospital. They really have excellent hospitals.
1: Uh, When was this?
2: She's eight years old now.
1: And you haven't seen her for eight years?
2: Only photos. A family I knew looks after her.
1: Look, uh, Simone... uh... There isn't much that our agency can do to get her out of Russia.
2: What let me tell you what happened. I came to this country and got a job at the Pentagon. I've been saving every penny I can, so someday I can go back and somehow bring Greta back with me. But now... Huh. Last night, I was shopping after work in a supermarket. When I came out to go to my car... Where did I put those car keys? Excuse me.
3: Is this your car? Uh, Yes. I've been waiting for you to come out. I'm afraid I let my car roll into yours. I wanted to leave my name.
2: Well, that's very honest of you. Where did it hit?
3: The back bumper, I think. I'm terribly sorry.
2: Well, those things happen. Where did you say you hit? I don't see any damage at all. Oh,
3: I'm sure I dented the bumper.
2: Oh, those dents have been there a long time.
3: Well, I, I still want to leave you some identification. You need not do that, sir. Let me open my billfold here under the light. But,
2: sir, you really don't have to do anything let see, right here it.
3: are all my credit cards. No, really, it's not
2: necessary at all.
3: I'd feel better about it if you'd just copy down my name and address. Here, have a look at any of the cards.
2: Well, if you insist.
3: <gasps> this picture. Oh, the little girl? Yes. Oh, she's Pretty, isn't she? I just took that myself last week. Why are you staring at it?
2: It's, it looks exactly like my, like someone I know. Oh, is that so?
3: Well, here I'll slip it out of the billfold so you can get a better look at it. There, go ahead, take it.
2: It is. Where did you get this?
3: You recognize the little girl?
2: It looks like my daughter.
3: And so it is, Mrs. Landberg.
2: Do you know my name?
3: I was sure it was you, but I had to be positive.
2: What are you doing with a photo of Greta?
3: Mm, she must not have changed much in three years. She was only five when you left Moscow, wasn't she?
2: Tell me, what is it you want?
3: Well, what is it you want, Mrs. Lundberg?
2: I don't understand.
3: Don't you want with all your heart to have little Greta here with you in America?
2: If you know so much about me, you must know I I live for that day.
3: Uh, of course. Well, I'm here to help.
2: How can you help?
3: I could explain.
2: How do I know what you're up to? How, indeed? The Soviet government won't let her go. She's a Russian citizen. She was born in Moscow.
3: Well, there's a way to do anything.
2: It's a trick. It's some kind of trap.
3: But how will you ever know? Unless we talk. Where? This address, tomorrow night. Tomorrow? But I... And you will tell no one
2: How do I know this isn't some kind of a trick?
3: you don't but let me assure you one thing, Mrs. Landberg, if you ever want to see your daughter again, you'll do exactly as I say <laughs>
1: tell me everything you can about this man. What name did he use?
2: Lank. Rudolf Lank.
1: Hmm. That's a new one. what did he look like?
2: He isn't too tall. He has a narrow face, like a hawk. Like a fox. Black hair. thick thick glasses. Huh? Uh, yes, they make his eyes look big.
1: And his voice?
2: Very well-educated. English accent. Oh. Do you know him?
1: Well, if I do, we're in luck. Let's get a taxi, Simone.
2: Where are we going?
1: My place. To show you some etchings? That's him. You sure?
2: Positive. Just his haircut is different. Do you know him? Very well. Then we have good luck, as you said.
1: Now, we have luck, as I said. It happens to be bad. Mr. Lenk is Vasily Gurov, the number two operative in the British section of the Soviet spy apparatus. I wonder what he's doing over here. What do I do? You keep your appointment with him tonight, by all means.
2: What will he want me to do?
1: You work at the Pentagon? Uh, yes. Defense department? Uh,
2: yes. I'm a file supervisor.
1: You're in charge of some files. What's What's in them? I don't know. You're in charge of them and you don't know what's in them? I don't know, no. You expect me to swallow that?
2: I don't care what you swallow. If you don't believe me, I'll just... <laughs> okay.
1: You're all right, honey. You're good. Just be as convincing tonight with Mr. Lank. Guroff <laughs> or Lank, as he was calling himself, knows every trick in the book. And he invented most of them. I'd already taken a gamble letting Simone talk to me, so I had to get someone else to tailor to the rendezvous and obviously there was no time to establish any listening devices. All we could go on was the report of our tale, and the hope that Simone wouldn't tip her hand to grow off and wind up in the Potomac. The department where Simone worked in the Pentagon had files and columns almost to the ceiling, and that's where I met her the next day.
2: Mr. Sage.
1: Mrs. Lundberg.
2: <laughs> you surprised me.
1: What happened last night?
2: Well, the address was in an old...
1: Yeah, session. I know, an old mansion in Georgetown.
2: Oh. Oh, yes, you would know, of course. What was his pitch? He's after the AWACS.
1: Ah, our flying command posts.
2: He wants to know about the electronic countermeasures. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. What do I do? Did he mention any more about your daughter?
2: Greta. He said if I was... If they found that they could trust me, Greta would be in... The way he put it was... In my arms by Christmas.
1: Yeah. And if you don't work out?
2: I don't know what he'll do. But I'm afraid they might do something to her.
1: Cute guys.
2: So what do I do?
1: When do you have to see him with the material?
2: He gave me a number to call. Here, here it is.
1: Good. Hang on to it. I'll copy it. Okay. Now, Simone, listen. From here on out, you don't call me or even remember my name. Why? could blow the whole thing. Oh. We're going to watch you from a distance for a few days and see who else is watching. Make sense?
2: Yes, I guess so.
1: If you have to contact us, have engine trouble on the 1800 block on Maynard Drive near your place.
2: Engine trouble? When? Uh, What time?
1: Anytime. Day or night. We'll be watching. I ducked answering her question about what to do to see what she would do. And she did nothing. Two other girls in Simone's department double-checked the files and followed up every move she made. But Simone never lifted a thing. I was well satisfied and made my recommendation to my superior.
4: I agree with you, Sage.
1: On what, Mr. Hendricks?
4: This is a beautiful opportunity for us if we can follow Gurov back up the line to see who he passes the information on to.
1: Well, maybe it goes direct to
4: Moscow by radio or uh, courier. I don't think so. I think gurov has been demoted. Otherwise, he wouldn't be the contact man. Too much danger of exposure putting a top operator out on the street the way he was with the Lundberg woman. No, I think our friend gurov has been knocked down a peg. He'll be reporting to someone this side of the ocean, and that's the man we want to nail.
1: Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way.
4: Then we can gather up Gurov at the same time. Uh,
1: one other thing. What's that? About the daughter.
4: Oh, that... Well, sure, that's the hold they have on Mrs. Lundberg.
1: What do you think? Any way we can get her back?
4: Come on, Sage. How long have you been in this service? They'll milk her until she runs dry or runs sour and then... (sighs) I'd like to prevent that. Hell, we'd all like to prevent everything they do. This woman was vulnerable, Sage. Sitting duck. Mistake she made was ever leaving anyone she cared about in Russia. Oh, here. This will be her first drop for Gurov. This
1: is uh, what she's to give him? Yep. How phony is it?
4: Oh, it's straight down the line gospel. Double A. Only it's old news. It's stuff they stole a year ago. But it'll impress them and they'll trust her a little more. How could she know they already have the information, huh?
2: I'm to give them this?
4: That's
1: right.
2: But uh, is it... It's
1: accurate. Absolutely genuine.
2: But, but how can you do this?
1: We're gambling that they'll trust you enough to give you another assignment. Then when you deliver, we hope they'll send your girl home.
2: Isn't there anything else you can do?
1: No. I wish there were.
2: All right. I'll call Guru. Don't
1: slip and call him that.
2: I mean, Mr. Lank. I'm sorry.
1: Just hang on some more. Just hang on. The advice you give to the worm as you put it on the hook. For bait. In this profession, if you let your feelings get in the way of your work, you've had it. And I could feel something about Simone. I knew I was losing my perspective. And if I had done what I ought to have done, I'd have gone to Hendricks and asked him to ship me off to some other part of the world. But I didn't. Instead, I delivered her next file of doctored data for Gurov.
2: I thought you said you weren't going to see me anymore.
1: It's safe here in the Pentagon. Good Lord. If it isn't, we're cooked.
2: You have something more for me to give him? Yeah. When will it end, Mr. Sage?
1: When will you drop the Mr. Sage and call me something else?
2: What do you want me to call you?
1: I don't care. Robert, Bob.
2: I'll call you Robert. Fine. What's the matter? Nothing's the matter. Aren't I the one who's supposed to be miserable?
1: I'm not miserable. Look, I do this for a living. When this case is over, it'll be something else. And then something else.
2: Until you're dead.
1: Nobody thinks about that. Robert,
2: I have to get back to work. Will you give me the file now?
1: Sure, here.
2: Is it uh, genuine, too? I
1: I don't make them up, you know. I don't know. Don't worry. Garof will never find a flaw in it. I hope not. For the next five weeks, we continued to feed doctored information to Gurov through Simone. It was cleverly managed so that the material looked even at close range like the very papers in the genuine files. But there were key changes in numerals, slightly altered facts. It would take close examination to spot them, and I was counting on the unlikely chance the Soviets would send Simone's daughter back to her before they discovered they'd been tricked. I'm sure Simone was praying for it. Hendricks ordered me to stay away from personal contact with Simone, even in the Pentagon. So the first time I'd seen her in almost a month was a stormy Saturday night. An unmarked car we had her. a report that she was having engine trouble in the 1800 block of Mainer Drive. I took the call personally. Having engine trouble, miss? Robert. Hi.
2: I hope somehow it would be you.
1: How do I look in my uh, service station?
2: Very handsome.
1: Come on, let's duck under the hood. We're going to drown out here. All right. What's up? Throw up suspicious or anything?
2: No. But last night he told me they're prepared to send Greta back to me if... If what? If I can get him one really big piece of information.
1: What, what does he want?
2: the fuel consumption race table for the planes.
1: Mm, Yeah, that would be handy. Can you do it? Mm, we, We can do anything.
2: Do you think they'll keep their word?
1: I don't know, honey. I really don't know. Hendricks?
4: Yes, I wanted you. Something's going sour. Five minutes ago, I get a panic call from someone about the files this Lundberg woman is responsible for in the Pentagon. She's mixed them up. What do you mean? She's evidently put some of our fake material in the secret file. God knows where the genuine data is. If it was delivered to Gaurav by mistake... Let
1: me go find her, sir.
4: It's Sunday. I know.
1: She'll be in her apartment. She always is on Sundays.
4: Oh, you know that much about her, do you?
1: (sighs) Yes, sir. I drive across town, and in 20 minutes, I'm knocking at a door. The room is terribly still behind the door. On an impulse, I try the knob. Locked. I have a sudden vision of Simone inside, hurt. Maybe dead. I've got to get in.
3: Oh, very dramatic, old man. What? off. If you insist, or lank, or just any old name. And which one are you using? Robertson now? No, it's Sage, isn't it? Robert Sage.
1: Where is she? What have you done with her?
3: Given her a well-deserved vacation on the Adriatic. And a bonus. Terribly capitalistic of us, isn't it? What are you talking about? Simone was ours, you know. All the time. And, uh, thanks for the data on your airborne command centers. What? She gave me the genuine stuff, you know and put your phony data in the secret files. But, of course, you know that by now, don't you? I was just making a pot of tea. Care to join me?
0: Crisis. has presented Terry McManus as Robert Sage, Ilona Herlinger as Simone... Norm Bobrow as Rudolph Lenk, and Bill Swain as Henricks. In Game of Chance, written and directed by yours truly, Jim French. Crisis is distributed by Nostalgia Broadcasting Corporation, Post Office Box 10914, St. Petersburg, Florida.